Hey Spirit fans, this is Seth Askelson, and I hope you are enjoying every episode of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. We are looking forward to bringing you a wide range of guests as we ramp up to the fall season and want you to tune in to each episode to get the best insight and stories from all Spirit programs. As our guest list grows on the podcast, so will our ways you can tune in. The OUAZ Athletics Podcast is now available on Spotify, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, and of course, on the website at ouazspirit.com slash podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe to let us know who you want to hear next and to never miss the next installment. Those four great platforms are where you can find our brand new episodes every week the moment they are available. Once again, you can now find every episode of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast on Spotify, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, and at OUAZSpirit.com slash podcasts. Welcome in OUAZ Spirit fans. My name is Seth Askelson, and we are here for yet another edition of the OUAZ Podcast. My guest today, former OUAZ golfer and OUAZ alumni, Noah Hoffman. Noah, how are you today? Not too bad. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, joining us. And I know you're back home in Nebraska right now. Uh, today in Arizona, I got into my car. I drive a, an older truck and the ignition is, you know, we, the ignition slot is metal and trying to turn on the car was uh, difficult. I had to grab a napkin to not burn my fingers off in order to get the car started. What's the weather like <laughs> out there in Nebraska? Uh, I mean, it's just been kind of about 95 degrees and humid, basically. Nothing compared to the Arizona heat, but the humidity definitely, definitely can take a toll on you if you're not careful. I know Arizona residents would pray for some humidity right now. I don't think I've seen a cloud in the sky in the last two and a half weeks. So it's just been a, a pure beat down from the, uh, the center of the universe, the sun. So uh, but for you, you've been traveling to some cooler climates as of recent. Uh, played in Wyoming this past week, and uh, you're playing in the Colorado Open. Uh, obviously, leaving OUAZ, you're jumping right into the professional circuit. What has your experience been like uh, over since you graduated? And I know you know your season got ended early and didn't get the opportunities that you wanted to chase that national championship. But what has it been like now that you're on the pro circuit for you? It's been great, honestly, so far. I mean, I've met a lot of a lot of great people traveling around where I have the last few weeks. And, I mean, even down in Arizona, playing those outlaw events before I moved back here. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to enjoy the experience and just try to get as many reps as I can, which is only going to benefit me in the future. Yeah, and the future is bright for you. And I know a lot of OUAZ people, especially not only those in the department, but that father golf team are – going to be rooting you on all summer long. And I think the uh, kind of the depravity of live sports at the moment, I know a lot are coming back, but golf was one of those sports when they were doing those challenges uh, that a lot of people were tuning into. So I know UAZ will be following you. And for you, you're hitting, you know, talking about the pro circuit, I'm sure you're meeting a lot of, as you said, great people who maybe went to some bigger schools when they ask you where you went to college and you say, I went to OUAZ, Ottawa University of Arizona. Do you get any looks or any kind of weird questions about the school that you went to yeah they're just like where's that at and I tell them where it's at and they're like oh no kidding it's a brand I I just tell them it's a brand new school and 
I mean, most of the people that have been around the Arizona area kind of know where it's at from the Texas Rangers and Kansas City Royals, a training facility right down the street. So, I mean, a lot of people have a general idea of where it's located, but I mean, most people didn't even know that it was a university until I was the one that told them. Yeah, I definitely understand that. The Surprise Stadium seems to be a pretty common landmark. You just say, yeah, the school is a quarter mile away down the street from Surprise Stadium, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, where the, the football field is. And even though OUAZ is plastered over everything you drive by on that street there, it definitely uh, it still confuses people a little bit. And as you said, you were the first one breaking the news of what OUAZ is to other people in the world. But for you, when did you first hear about OUAZ as a school? So I was actually at Nationals in my JUCO my sophomore year down in Alabama. And a fellow teammate, uh, Austin Hardman, was also playing in that because he went to Mesa Community College. And I hadn't signed anywhere yet uh, to go on for my final two years. And I just finished third place in Nationals. And nobody was really looking at me. The Cornhuskers were a little bit, but they never really offered anything. And my dad actually ran into Austin at the airport. I think it was in Dallas. He had a connection flight, and I think they did too. And he recognized him, so he went up and talked to him, and he asked where I was going next year. And my dad said, we're not, we're not sure yet where he's going to go. And he's like, oh, well, my coach down at Ottawa University is trying to find some players. You should look into it. And so my dad told me about it. I emailed Clay at the time was the head coach and he got a hold of me, gave me the rundown of everything. I mean, signed there, didn't even take a visit. So I didn't know what to expect having it be a brand new school. And it was, it was, it was small at first, but I mean, how much it's grown in the last year is incredible, honestly. Yeah, it, it really has been incredible. And I know when I tell people, at least when I first, I got the job here at OUAZ. I had, you know, said, oh, I'm going to Ottawa and had a few friends tell me, uh, oh, you're going up to Canada? No, no, not to Canada. Did you think when your dad came home and told you about Ottawa University, did you think he was trying to set you up to go north of the border? Uh, not really, because he kind of explained it to me. I mean, I know there's an Ottawa University in Kansas. I mean, it's kind of, it's probably five or six hours from where I'm from. So I've kind of known about that. And when I found it as a branch off campus, I was like, oh, I mean, that makes that makes a lot more sense now. But I mean, I've kind of had the same thing. People would see my bag at the golf course and I'd be out there practicing and stuff. They'd come up to me and be like, oh, what are you, are you guys on a uh, practice trip from Canada? And I was like, uh, <laughs> no, we have our campus about a mile and a half, two miles away right by the spring training facility. And they're like, oh, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, look, out in Surprise, especially during the wintertime, there are a lot of people down from Canada. So definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely not, a, not, a, not a crazy question, at least during the wintertime. And um, when you first toured the campus, I mean, you said it's grown a lot. The cafeteria, the Odell Center, Faith Arena, the new gym. What was your first campus visit like? to OUAZ and, and what was going through your mind when you when you kind of saw what was what was going on and what was being built um I mean at the time there was nothing there was no construction in the process at all when I got there 
this would have been fall uh, 2019, I believe. Or, sorry, fall of 2018. And, I mean, I got there, and it was kind of their welcome thing, I guess. I, I don't really know what you call it. But, I mean, there was a lot of people there, like the cheerleaders, the uh, mascot, all that stuff. So, I mean, it was kind of cool to see all that, and it kind of made me feel a little more welcome and kind of, I wouldn't say brought my spirit up a little bit about the school, but I don't know. I kind of went to a small, I've been to a small high school here in Nebraska. Like my graduating class was 94 and went to a small community college. So, I mean, it wasn't really new to me to go to a small university, but it was more the fact of like what I saw when I got there, that it was just one building where we had all of our classes and stuff and having no dorms. It's kind of a little bit of a shock to me, but I mean, for the most part, like I said, I didn't really feel out of the blue that much once I first got there. Um, when you talk about UAZ and really just athletics and the athletes in general, they talk about when they first came and, and took their first tour visit, they were taken to what is known as Eichner Point up on the parking garage. And I mean, obviously for football and basketball to try and point out exactly where gyms and fields are going to go, that's probably a little more important as, you know, you guys go to golf courses around the Valley that are already built. But did you get that tour, that tour of Eichner Point where it was pointed out to you like, Hey, this is where this building's going to be. And, and kind of what, what the plan was. Um, unfortunately I didn't, but I kind of got the rundown of it when I kind of toured the campus and like the football field and all that stuff. And I could kind of, kind of visualize it a little bit of what it would look like. I mean, obviously not to what it is now, like it's incredible now, but I mean, I just, I knew the place would grow and it would probably thrive off of it too. Cause I mean, surprise being a smaller town, I would say in that area, um, it just, I, I think everyone kind of made them feel welcome and especially all the locals around there. I mean, I, I feel like it's only going to be great things from here on out for the university. Yeah, I know a lot of people are excited and especially with the introduction of the Odell Center, the new weight room, the training room, the coaches' offices, the classrooms. Now, when it comes to golf, I don't think a lot of people think – of you know like it's a very difficult sport to play and you know driving the ball and putting very very difficult um, but I don't know if a lot of people understand that you know what kind of phys physical fitness it takes or what kind of you know how do you work out right like football players lift a lot of weights and do a lot of conditioning for a golfer what does a typical workout look like and how did you guys use the new weight room and the new training facilities to get yourselves physically better um, so we did like a lot of squats, uh, deadlifting, hip mobility, just basically stuff that's going to keep our body loose and not, not like tight because we got big movements we have to make and we got to stay flexible. But I mean, Coach Hodginson and Coach Fernandez did a great job putting, putting the program together and kind of helping us to improve our games and our overall health, honestly, keeping us healthy and just trying to help us get to the best of our ability too. So I got to give credit to them helping us out and uh, trying to help us get to be the best team in the nation, which we almost got to, but obviously with coronavirus, everything got cut short. And I mean, we were just starting to get to the meat of our schedule too. And 
I mean, it just, it kind of sucks the way it all happened, but I mean, life goes on at the end of the day. Yeah, you're right. I think it was really difficult, especially for your program. I mean, arguably going to be the national champions this year, at least would have got the opportunity to prove yourself as ultimately the best uh, golf team in the nation. And, and you proved yourself why you were one of the top college golfers all year long. And I mean, you did, you did the same thing last year as well for you. What was the NAIA and, and the small college golf experience like for you in your time at OUAZ and, and how were you able to stay so successful in your two years? Um, I would have to say, I mean, I would say my teammates, honestly, they kept pushing me to get better. I mean, I'd see, I'd see them out there practicing and it would just make me want to practice more too. And we'd go out and play like putting games and stuff like that and just get out on the course and play games and all that. And I mean, I think that helped, helped us keep our competitive edge over a lot of teams and helped us just get better as a team as well. Um, but I mean, NAIA golf is great. I mean, there's a lot of great players and I mean, obviously we didn't see all the top teams in the nation, but we were getting to that point and uh, got cut short. But uh, I mean, just the competitiveness in NAI, I feel like is honestly just as good as D2 or D1. I mean, a majority of the reason why a lot of the people go NAI is more on the academic side. Maybe they didn't really have the grades or the ACT scores to go division one or two, or they just didn't have the opportunity to get recruited by coaches or stuff like that. Um, but I mean, NAI is just kind of, it's just a place where I would say a majority of people can get into no matter what. And I mean, it's, I wouldn't really call it a fallback, but it's kind of hard to explain the difference between that and like division one. No, I, I think when you talk about division one for maybe what's considered the mainstream sports, right? Football, basketball, you know, to a certain level, baseball, softball, volleyball, like the NAI level can be seen as, Oh, you know, a step down quote unquote, and not as talented, but I mean, in a, a sport like golf, does it really matter where you play your your college game when it comes to turning pro or is it just look if you can play golf you're going to be able to make it pro even if you go to school on the moon or something like that you know I mean how you said it is basically kind of how it is I mean it doesn't really matter where you go to college at the end of the day as long as you go somewhere where you're going to play I think that's the big key is where you can get the reps and the practice the coaching the facilities and all that stuff I think that's that's the most beneficial thing that you can do when, when looking at a university or NAI, whatever it is. Uh, I, I think those are the big keys and what's going to make you a better player and what's going to make the team better as a whole too. Now, for your team, I think a lot of change happened uh, this past year. As you mentioned, uh, Clayton, sir, uh, the original Coach Clay, um, no longer with the program. Now Tina Barrett took over in 2019. For your team, you know, a head coaching change, no matter what the sport, no matter what the level, can be really tough. But how did you guys really stay together and, and stay the course during the coaching change? I know Coach uh, Tina Barrett was the assistant coach, so that probably made it a little bit easier. But how were you guys able to, to manage the shakeup in the program? Uh, I mean, like you said, with Tina being the assistant coach the year before, she wasn't really new to 
new to the people that were returning anyway, but we had a lot of freshmen this year where them being away from home and like a ways away from home, it was a, it was a different experience for them. But I feel like Tina did a great job in making them feel welcome and making them feel like they were a part of the team and including them in other stuff too. I, I think that was the big thing. And I mean, Clay did a pretty good job of that too, which got to give him credit. And I think Tina learned a lot from him as well, being the head coach and just from his experience, uh, experiences of being a player as well, or a college player as well. Yeah, she was a pretty good, pretty great college player, pretty great uh, pro player as well. So uh, I, I would have to say so as well. I know. I look. I wouldn't. I wouldn't challenge Tina. I mean, I'm not good at golf to begin with. But even if I was your level, I, I don't know. If <laughs> Tina might. I, I think Tina could probably still, you know, sling it around the golf course a little bit. Does she ever jump in in practice and stuff? Yeah, she she can. I mean, she can't hit it as far anymore. She had an accident, but. I mean, she lost a lot of distance from that. So, I mean, she just – I think she's just enjoying more coaching and just kind of being around the players now instead of playing or practicing herself. But she still does get out every once in a while too. What's uh, what's the best thing Tina, Coach Barrett, has taught you in terms of, you know, getting into the professional aspect? I know, you know, the men's and the women's game can be a little bit different in terms of what it takes to get – you know, into these different tournaments and things like that. But what is what did she teach you in terms of turning pro and, and how to handle yourself maybe in the first year or two as you're trying to navigate your way through the pro circuit? Um, I would have to say, honestly, like never being satisfied with like a score that I shoot or a shot that I hit. I mean, obviously, you're going to be satisfied to a certain extent if you hit it to two feet. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to do that on the holes after that, too. So, I mean, it's just, I would have to say not getting too high about yourself and not too low about yourself. You kind of got to find that happy medium to stay out throughout the whole round and just staying calm and staying more in the moment and not thinking about the future or the past. I would, I would say that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned over the last two years. Yeah, I mean, you learned a lot from Coach Barrett and, and using that now. But I want to go back to something you said a, a couple of minutes ago about the new freshmen coming in, being a long way from home, some being super far away from home. I know a couple international kids. For yourself, I mean, you were a guy who was a long way from home um, in terms of, you know, where you were playing golf and came to a school with a lot of unknowns in terms of what facilities there's going to be and things of like that. How did you – use your experience and, and use what you learned during your first year at OUAZ to help some of those freshmen who were really far away from home in their first, I mean, adult real life experience. I mean, it's, it's a little bit tough to explain, but more just making them feel welcome and just kind of including them and stuff, I think is the main thing and not just kind of, having like the seniors here, juniors here, sophomores and freshmen there. We kind of all, did things together, which I think kind of helped a lot. We were all kind of a family in a way, which I think that helped a lot of people kind of forget the fact that they're a thousand miles from home. And I mean, it kind of made them feel like Ottawa was their home, which I think that was a big thing. Um, I know when I was in college, I was lucky enough to 
stay at, uh, at family's houses and, and never really had to live on my own. Um, but I know for those kids, you know, they're moving across the country and, and living in their own place. Now you don't have to name any particular names, but was there ever a moment um, over the last year, the last two years with any freshmen where you or somebody else kind of had to teach them like how to live on their own, you know, whether it be, Hey, this is how you cook rice or this is how you do laundry. Like, was there any ever of those moments that you kind of had to almost help some of your teammates with, with being an adult? Uh, not that I ran into. No. I mean, we, us have like Haley and I and Madison and Brad having our own place. Obviously we'd cook like meals over there and have a few people over and just kind of do that. But I mean, I never really had to do, I guess like the parenting side of it, which, which is kind of nice, but. Yeah. I know when I was in college and meeting kids who are 18, 19 years old that, you know, were telling me stories about how they screwed up their washing machine. I remember hearing a story about how um, when somebody was using a dishwasher, they used like the, uh, the liquid dish soap, like the what you would use just to, like scrub a plate with your hand and oh, flooded boy. their apartment with bubbles. So um, <laughs> I definitely know there can be some troubles with kids, you know, and I mean, look, you're 18, you never really lived on your own. And, and maybe you, there's some nuanced things, right? Like you don't know that liquid soap doesn't go in the dishwasher and things of that yeah. nature. But, you know, <laughs> It's good to hear that the group was uh, at least somewhat prepared with life skills as they headed over to supplies. So um, another thing is with those international students, I mean, there's a lot on OUAZ's campus with a lot of the different teams. Was there any uh, cool cultural things or maybe even cultural, like um, some cultural differences that really made the experience at OUAZ unique for you? Um, I would honestly just have to say just a mix of everything just made it unique. I mean, it was something I never really experienced having a teammate from France, teammates from Canada, uh, Mexico, England, just kind of all over the place. So, I mean, it was just kind of good to get that mix of a little bit of everything in a way. It kind of, it, it definitely made the experience a lot more unique, I felt. Was there any habits or anything that you picked up, maybe new foods you want, you know, you start to make from any of those teammates that you, you know, were from France or Canada or Mexico? Uh, I would have to say probably Tim Hortons up in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Tim yeah, Hortons. When we went up there for our trip, my uh, junior year, we, I swear we stopped there probably five or six times. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the hot commodity for American tourists. And I know up, you know, up near the border, up near Michigan and, and some of those upstate New York places have Tim Hortons, but in Arizona, there actually was a Tim Hortons down here at the uh, Gila river arena when the coyotes uh, for a couple of years had a Tim Hortons. And um, unfortunately that got replaced uh, as Dunkin' Donuts took over, but that's uh, that was definitely a, as you mentioned, you went up there and you stopped there five times during the trip at, yeah. I can tell you at, at Gila River Arena, the second those doors opened, the line at Tim Hortons was starting to stretch around the concourse because it was just that oh, good. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Everybody loves it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a Canadian staple, that's for sure. So, um, I mean, for you, you'll probably get the opportunity to eat some more Tim Hortons and, and some great cuisine around the world as you get deeper into your pro career what are you looking for? What is your bar in terms of success when you look back on your pro career? I know you're really early. You're not even technically one full year in, but what are you looking to accomplish as a professional golfer? Uh, winning as much as I can, basically. 
that's that's my main goal. That's I go into every tournament thinking, like obviously I'm not going into every tournament thinking, oh, I'm playing for second place. I'm I'm going there to try to win it. But I mean, I I try not to really worry about the money side of it and more just kind of playing my own game and just treating it like another round of golf, honestly, and just playing, hitting the shots I know how to hit and just kind of managing the course how I know how to manage it. And, I mean, obviously you got other guys who are just going to bomb driver out for everything and try to get it down there. Maybe you get on like a tree line golf course like last week. You can't really hit driver a whole lot. I mean, there's some short par fours you could get it on the green with like three wood or if it was downwind a driving iron or something like that. But, I mean, there was a lot of trees. So if you were out of position there, it was you're scrambling to try to make par. So, I mean, I kind of – there was some holes where I kind of did my own thing and the other guys were hitting driver. I mean, obviously it worked out a little better for me, which, I mean, I know it's not going to work out like that every week. But, I mean, if you got a game plan, you know your game, just got to stick to it and just stay in the moment, basically. How much preparation do you do during a week? Obviously, you study the golf courses, but is do you have like a – a super detailed game plan or is it just kind of one of those things where you study the course and you say, okay, I'm going to try and do these two or three things you know, as the, as the week goes on? Um, I mean, it kind of depends on how they set the golf course up too and the weather conditions. But like last week, obviously I was pretty aggressive off the tee and there was a couple holes where you just kind of got to lay up to the dog leg and just, hit seven iron in instead of trying to hit driver over the corner and risking hitting it out of bounds. But I mean, it all just kind of depends on the layout of the course too. So I just, I would say I'm more kind of feel out what my game game plan is going to be. And I just kind of, I see a tee shot that doesn't fit my eye. I'll hit like three wood or three iron instead of driver and just kind of things like that. And obviously just kind of scoping out where the pin placements are going to be and where the best look for birdie or where the best look putting for birdie would be on the green which is where I want to try to get my second shot to and just obviously knowing where not to go basically too right well I mean, it's it's one of those things right like you said where not to go it's it's better to know where not to go so you can yeah know where to x out and, and you know where to drop it uh the yep. best place and instead of trying to pinpoint one place to go you just map out where you shouldn't and, and go from there so exactly. um, well, one place that uh, your opponents wish you didn't go was to the top of the leaderboards this season <laughs> you were um, you finished first in five of the seven events you participated in uh, three of those events you finished sole first place um, I mean you were just absolutely incredible as as the season rolled on what did you do during the off season and I guess preparing for the upcoming season that really made you so successful and, and really prepped you for such a great season? For the fall or the spring? Uh, for both. I mean, just as, as you got ready for the entire season. Obviously, the golf uh, is one of those seasons, rare seasons that stretches across both fall and spring. Just over the last, you know, in the summer, I know you were playing some uh, amateur events, but what were some of the things that you did for preparation in the fall? And then as you, after the, the holiday break into the spring as well? Um, I would have to say one of the things that kind of prepared me very well for the fall and spring season this last year would have to be playing in the USAM last summer out at Pinehurst because, I mean, 
that the, both those golf courses were just playing so difficult the way they were set up. I mean, it just kind of – I wouldn't say it made the other courses that we played feel easy, but it's like, hey, you played a lot harder holes than this. What's Why not just hit it down the middle and give yourself a good look at birdie? Just kind of – I would – I would say more like the mental side of my game's gotten a lot better and just kind of the way my mind processes, what kind of shots I'm going to hit. And I mean, my confidence level too is a lot better this, this season than it was last season. Did that confidence level go up because you played um, in the USAM and, and at Pinehurst or was that something that you gradually worked on in the off season? Um, I would say I kind of, Obviously, the USAM helped just kind of being there and just seeing all the different personalities of people and stuff like that um, and kind of gradually working on it, too. I mean, I never really kind of catch myself having a negative thought anymore, which is good. But, I mean, obviously, in pressure situations, you might have one or two sneak in the back of your mind, which is going to happen in any sport pretty much. But, I mean, just kind of – Focusing on what focusing on the shot at hand basically is what I've gotten a lot better about. Not not worrying about if it's like, for example, like a hundred dollars playing with your buddies or a million dollars. Just kind of something like that. I'm gonna hit the shot that I know how to hit, basically. Well, you seem to be real cool and calm during the college season. And um obviously you can't get in the time machine. You will never know truly how the year ends. Um, if everything doesn't get shut down. But for you personally and for your team, what did you think the final result was going to be? I know a lot of people were were excited for a potential national championship. I mean, do you think that was that's where you guys were going to be? What what was the feeling that you would have finished the season if you could have kept going on? I mean, we had we had our eye on that national championship trophy all all fall and for part of the spring that we played. But, I mean, like you said, obviously it got cut short. But, I mean, that was just our goal from the beginning of the year was just get that national championship and focus more on the bigger picture, which is that. And all these tournaments are were to help us prepare for that too. So, I mean, it just kind of, like you said, you can't go in a time machine and fast forward or rewind or whatever to I, – I don't know what I'm trying to say to – not have the pandemic happen in a way and see what the season was actually going to end like. But I mean, we'll, we'll just never know basically. Yeah. Unfortunately we can't access that alternate universe where, you know, college athletics uh, continues on, but for you, your career continues on. And I know we're all excited to see you, but for you, what, what are your lasting memories and, and your lasting thoughts on your time at OUAZ? Um, I feel like I left a positive impact on the program. And I mean, I think Tina was very happy with the way I played in the team and the way the team played this season, which is good. Um, I also feel like it's going to help with a lot of the recruiting for the golf program as well. And I mean, who, who doesn't want to play for the legendary Tina Barrett? I mean, she's awesome. So it's just, you can't, you can't beat her as a head coach. Um, and I mean, her confidence level too, is just, it's great, which I learned a lot from her too, just kind of seeing how she acted and all that stuff. Um, but I feel like I left, I feel like I left my impact on the program 
and kind of left it in a good place. Obviously, we would have liked to finish the season out, but it just didn't work out this year. And I mean, I would have loved to go back for another season, but I felt like it was it was time for me to move on and get started with my pro career. Well, as much as we would have loved to have you stay, I think sometimes when you when you open the newspaper and and see the money winnings for those in professional golf, I don't think anybody's going to blame you for <laughs> not coming back. That's for yeah. sure. And, hey, once you start once you start hitting those million dollar purses, I mean, maybe one point we'll have the Noah Hoffman. Uh, golf course at at OUAZ so you never know anything can happen fingers crossed so Noah thank you so much for your time I know it's uh, been a busy busy last few months as you're starting to really ramp up in the pro career but thank you for your time and uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again soon sounds good thanks for having me Seth